Can I just tell you that this morning that there is nothing more powerful than forgiveness? There's nothing more powerful, powerful for us or for the people in our lives than forgiveness. There's nothing more healing, more moving, more life-changing than forgiveness. Look, there's no greater gift that we can give someone that has wronged us and they know that they've wronged us than forgiveness and releasing them. But it's also, not only is it a gift for that other person, but it's also a gift for you. In this series that we've been going through for the last few weeks called Us, we've been looking at Jesus' great commandment where he says the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says the second commandment is equally important, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so we've taken that sentence, that second commandment that Jesus says is equally important to the first. And we said, okay, God, so what does that mean? How do we love our neighbors as ourselves? How do we get good at something that sometimes, can we just be honest, is really difficult for us, right? It's hard sometimes to love people that God's placed in our lives. So how do we do that? And this week we're focusing on this idea of forgiveness. How do we love people and how do we love ourselves by forgiving? Because there's nothing as freeing and healing and life-changing as this idea of forgiveness. And if it is freeing and if, if it is healing and if it is life-changing, then the big question is, is why is it so hard? Anybody ever find it hard to forgive? Well, let's just talk about that for a second. Why is it so hard to forgive? Some of you are like, no, it's pretty easy. No, it can be hard. Well, there's just a couple things I put in your notes. One, it's so hard because forgiveness is letting go of the power. It's letting go of the power. It's that feeling that we have when someone has wronged us, and you know it, and they know it, and they owe you. And it's not easy to let that go. Every married couple in this room should know how hard that is from time to time when they have wronged you and you know it and you finally have the upper hand. Some of us don't get it that often. And so when we don't get it that often, we want to hold on to it for just a little bit and make them squirm. But forgiveness is letting go of power. It's letting go of the ability to get even. It's letting go of that power of knowing that they know and that you know that they were wrong. And, and, it's, and it's letting that go and giving it up. That's why it's so hard. Here's another one. Forgiveness, the reason forgiveness is hard is because it makes us feel vulnerable. We think this thought, if I forgive, then I'm, then I'm letting you close again. And if you hurt me once, then what's going to keep you from hurting me again? And that's a very fair question. But what you have to understand is, is we're not talking about reconciliation today. What we're talking about is forgiveness. Reconciliation is a whole nother message of healing a relationship and bringing the relationship back into right standing. Forgiveness does not mean letting someone close to you again. Let, let's just be honest. There are some people in our lives who can't be trusted. There are some people in, her, in our lives who are just abusers. And if you let them close, then they will hurt you again. And so, so I'm not suggesting that forgiveness gives every person that's ever hurt you the avenue to hurt you again because you're letting them close. That's not what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness means that you look at them 
through the eyes of grace. And you set them free and you set yourself free. That's forgiveness. But it makes you feel vulnerable. Here's another one. Forgiveness is so hard because it makes us feel naive. Now, this is one of those situations where, where when you finally get around to forgiving a situation and you think, man, what has taken me so long to do this? I mean, I feel stupid that I held on to this for so long. It wasn't that big a deal. I don't know why it got all up inside of me and I turned sideways with it, but, but you, you hold on to it and, and it's really hard to let that go. And when you do, you just, you just feel dumb. Like, like, why did I make such a big deal out of this? It wasn't that big. And, and, and you know what that is? That's our own insecurity getting in the way of forgiveness. Here's another one. This is probably the toughest. Is that forgiveness goes against our innate sense of justice. If you committed a wrong, you got to pay for it. Now, unless it's me. <laughs> if I committed a wrong, I want somebody to forgive me. But if you committed a wrong, then you have to pay for it. When you do it, you got to pay for it. When I do it, I want grace. That's what we're talking about today. That sometimes we hold on to unforgiveness so long in our lives. Maybe it's a wound that goes way back. And it's something that we've been holding on to for years. And it was a big deal then, and it's a big deal now. And we've been holding this bitterness inside of us. And and we have to figure out a way how to get to a place, or we have to understand why it's so important to let that go and to forgive. Maybe it wasn't a big deal. Maybe it wasn't, maybe it was just a slight or a little wrong or, or something that, that just stung you the wrong way, but it definitely wasn't a huge issue. And it's, it's the little things. You ever had been in one of those situations where it's the little things over and over and over and over again? It's the pick, 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 pick. And you finally just get fed up of all the pick, 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 picks that, that, that it just gets inside of and you can't forgive. You can't let it go. Or maybe it's a big deal. Maybe it's not a long time, but someone cheated you big. And that unforgiveness is just all inside of you. And it's keeping you from the freedom that God wants to give you in his relationship with him. I want you to look at a passage this morning. It's Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 35. And Jesus is talking about this idea this of forgiveness. And he does it by telling a parable of the unforgiving servant. So if you have your Bibles or you can pull it up on your phone or you can look, well, I don't think I provided it in your notes. It's too long of a passage. But it's Matthew chapter 21 or chapter 18, verse 21 through 35. And this is what it says. It says, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? It was like Peter was just like, okay, I'm just going to throw a number out there. I mean, that's a pretty generous number. If someone sins against you, and you, I'm going to forgive this person seven times. I mean, that's a big deal. Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And then he goes on to tell a story. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Now, there's different versions that that sometimes say 10 bags of gold. And when you compare that to modern day money, you know, some theologians say it's, it's millions. It's, the the idea is, is that he owes enough that he'll never be able to pay it back. You just think of that type of number. Like if I owed somebody a million dollars, it would, 
It's just not something that I could pay back ever. I just don't make enough. That's impossible. It's too big of a number for me to even comprehend. That's what Jesus is getting across in this passage. He says he couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master filled with pity for him. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. And you just see what happened here. This, this master, this, 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 this owner looks at this man and says, that huge sum of money that, that you owe me, that that's, you'll never be able to pay it back, that, that type of money, I forgive you. It's all wiped away. It's all clean. Now, how many of you would appreciate someone just saying, hey, your mortgage, it's all gone. Your student loan debt that's been hanging around forever, wipe it away. I just, look, sometimes I pray that somebody will come up with like a, like a, like a computer virus and just get in the student loan database and just wipe it all out. I know it'll never happen, but, but that's, that's this. He says, it's all gone. It's forgiven. It's free. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant. Now listen to how ridiculous this is. Who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were upset. They had every right to be, right? They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you. Now listen. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brother and sisters from your heart. I'm just going to tell you this morning. Are you ready? That you need to forgive. And you need to do it for you. You need to do it for you. There's an incredible amount of freedom that happens in forgiveness. And here's the thing, that freedom, it's not for them. Because we don't get to control how someone responds when they're forgiven. And so the freedom's not about them and what it does for them, but the freedom is about what happens to us. The freedom that happens in us. C.S. Lewis said this a long time ago. He said, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. It's a little bit harder then. I put a little thought in your notes. It says, when we've been wronged, we want justice. When we've wronged someone, we want grace. Jesus challenges us to give us the same grace that we receive. It's the freedom of forgiveness. So let's, that's what we're going to talk about, is that this freedom that forgiveness creates in what each one of us, and why it's so important for us to forgive the people that God's placed in our lives. And the first one is this. Are you ready? 
Freedom adds years to your life and life to your years. If you're following in your notes, write this down. Forgiveness adds years to your life and life to your years. And one of the greatest bonehead moves in military history, back in World War II when the German army was was beginning to to take over Eastern Europe and was grinding towards Russia, um, the Russians became really fearful. How are we going to stop this massive army that's just obliterating every army that gets in the way. They're going to be here soon. And what they were really concerned about were the German Panzer tanks. Am I saying that right? The Panzer tanks were like rolling fortresses. And they didn't have, you know, any kind of special way to go up against them. They were almost indestructible. And they were just chewing and clawing their way across Europe towards Russia. And so Russia came up with this, what they thought was a brilliant idea. And they decided that the way to attack German Panzer tanks were to train dogs to carry mines on their backs towards the tanks. Now, every animal lover in the room is going to hate this idea because they literally thought the way to destroy the tank was to take an explosive device, strap it to a back of a dog that's been trained to go towards tanks to get food, And then when they would get towards the tanks, the dog would explode, debilitating the tank and and stopping them in their tracks to keep them from advancing towards Russia. Now, how many of you think that's a great idea? Hopefully none of you do. (laughs) It's a terrible idea because what they didn't think about is that when they train these dogs, they train them with Russian tanks. Are Are you following what's happening here? Russian tanks, now I'm gonna, I might get this backwards, but, but I was reading online that Russian tanks burn diesel fuel and German tanks burn gasoline. It's one way or the other. And so there's a noticeable difference between the smell of a German tank and a Russian tank. And so when, when the Russian army and all of their Russian, or the, the, the German army and all of their German tanks starting pouring towards, they released these dogs to attack these German tanks just to watch them spin around and run towards the Russian tanks and explode them, debilitating their own army. Now, if you think I'm just making this story up, you can actually Google it after the service. Don't do it right now. And read about it because it's crazy fascinating. It's absolutely insane to think about that someone didn't think, well, you know, maybe we might need to come up with a backup plan so we don't blow up our own people in our own tanks, but they didn't. And that's what unforgiveness does for us. It's like mines strapped to the back of a dog that we think are going to hurt the other person, but in actuality, the only person it hurts is us. Does this make sense? When I hold unforgiveness towards you, I'm the only one that suffers. I'm the only one that pays for it. They did a study um, with senior adults. When I say they, I can't remember who it was, but I was reading about it um, a a few years ago, and I remembered it this week. They did a study with senior adults, 1,200 of them, and these are adults that had lived a very long, happy life. And one of the things that they noticed in this study was was that one of the keys to their happiness as they continued to age was this idea that they were forgiving people, that they didn't hold grudges. 
Because one of the things that happens to our bodies physically when we hold grudges and we hold unforgiveness inside of us is it builds up this enemy inside of us called what? Stress and anxiety. And what does that built up stress and anxiety do inside of us physically? It ramps up our, our blood pressure. It gets our heart going. It infects not just our spirit, but it actually infects our body. Stress and anxiety lead to hypertension, which leads to heart disease, which creates health issues for us. But when I forgive, when I forgive you, I release that stress. I release that, I release that anxiety. It actually helps me. I become more healthy when I forgive. You've heard me use this quote quite a few times in messages. Unforgiveness is like taking a poison and expecting someone else to die. All it does is hurt us. It destroys us. Proverbs 14.30 is, is a verse that some of us needs to put to heart. It says, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Now, how many of you could use a little bit more peace in your heart? Not only will it add years to your life, but it will add life to your years. Have you ever wondered how many days you've wasted stewing, some, stewing over something someone else did to you? And the whole time you're just robbing yourself. Listen, that other person, they don't care. They've let it go. They've moved on. They're enjoying their life. You're the only one that's suffering through the unforgiveness. Here's a second thought. Are you ready? Forgiving those who have hurt you protect those, protects those who love you. Forgiving those who have hurt you protects those who love you. Look at me for a second. If, if you won't forgive because of what it will do for you personally and the personal benefits that you get from it, then maybe you'll do it because of the positive effects that it'll have on the people that you do love. March 2015, a lady by the next extent, but as, as the arguments continued, they continued to get more heated and more loud and more angry and, and more vindictive. And, and, and one day, um, you can, one day, Lasanti was out driving and uh, she saw her boyfriend driving his car. And when she saw him, something just triggered inside of her. And she started thinking about all the things that he had said to her and how he had wronged her and how he was a terrible boyfriend. And something just snapped. I mean, she snapped. And when he came up to a stoplight in front of her, she didn't stop. She hit the gas and literally just rammed into the back of his car. Now, her boyfriend freaks out at this moment. And he looks in his rearview mirror and he's like, this is my crazy girlfriend. And, and she is insane, crazy, trying to kill me. And so he took off. But the problem is, is he got stuck at another red light and LaSanti didn't give up. And when she saw, saw him stopped at the next light, she rammed him again. And he's just like, what am I going to do? And so he pulled off again and taking off. And they said this chase went through neighborhoods and this crazed woman just steering that car. And every chance she would get, she had ram into him until eventually she rammed into him so hard and hit a curb perfectly that she flipped her car upside down. Now here's what's crazy. 
In the back seat of her car were her five-year-old and six-year-old children. Oh, my. When the police came, they didn't think it was very funny. That crazed moment that she had called, uh, caused something we call a restraining order, where she was no longer allowed contact or within a certain amount of feet of her boyfriend. And so she lost complete contact with him. And not only that, she lost her children. Because the judge said, you can't be trusted with children if you have this type of anger inside of you. And so she was, she was denied rights to her children in that moment, in that court. Now think about this for a second. Do you realize, do you understand that we're not islands unto ourselves? That whatever you allow into you, you can't help but have an effect on the people that God has placed around you. Does this make sense? Unforgiveness is a disease that we carry to other people and infect their lives. Now think about it. Just just play it out with me for a second. How many of you have ever had one of those days where you were forced to be nice to a group of people that just weren't appreciative and it just kind of rubbed on you and it just got you wrong? It was just one of those days that every worker that you worked with or every customer you served or every kid you had in class was just a snot-nosed punk and they're just rubbing you wrong and you're frustrated and you're over the top and but you can't do anything about it because it's not you know you'd lose your job if you did and so you come home and when you walk through the door you take all that dirt and junk and grime and frustration and you just puke it on to the person the, the first person you see walk in the door, right? And you just rub all that nastiness all over them. Because, and, and you know what happens when you puke it out? You rub it all over that other person? You start to feel a little better. But how do they feel? They don't feel no good. <laughs> I mean, they just got it all thrown on them, and now they're frustrated. And, and that, that snipe and that, that hit and that nastiness that you just poured onto them and wiped all over them, guess what they do? They find the next available person down the food chain, and they wipe it all over them. And then they wipe it all over them. The next thing you know, the dog is getting kicked out the house. I mean, it just goes from person to person to person. It just spreads. You get this, right? Have you ever been on the receiving end or the beginning end end of, of all of that mess? It's a vicious cycle. If you don't take care of unforgiveness in your life, I promise you, it's bleeding out into the people that you say you love the most. And if it's not bleeding out, at least it's preoccupying your mind. And when it preoccupies your mind and gets stuck in here, guess what you begin to do out there? Neglect the people that you're called to serve and to love. It also, unforgiveness can also become depression. And that depression causes you to withdraw from the people that you care about. Or it can turn into aggression. And you begin to take it out on them physically. Or it can just become irritability. You begin to pick and say nasty, small, chime, you know, just sniping things on the people that you care about. 
When you forgive, it frees the people you love. Does this make sense? Here's a third thought. Are you ready? Just real quickly, forgiveness frees you to embrace your future. When you're dealing with unforgiveness, you get stuck in the past and you can't see what God's placed in front of you. T.D. Jakes, the great preacher, he said, unforgiveness empowers our history at the expense of our destiny. Isn't that good? Unforgiveness empowers our history at the expense of our destiny. It's so true. When we let a past day stay with us, we live it over and over and over and over again. And we obsess over a person who hasn't given us a second thought. I love what Paul writes in Philippians. He says this, he says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Now I want you to read this next part with me. Are you ready? Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now think about this for a second. Think about what has happened to Paul. Think about what Paul did as a man named Saul and the abuse and the, and, and the, that he caused the church. I mean, he was there when Stephen was stoned. He was celebrating it, cheering it on. Think about what's happened to Paul since he's been a believer, you know, shipwrecked, you know, and, and beaten numerous times. I mean, if you ever want, you can read the list of all the abuses that has happened to Paul. And then Paul says something like this. He says, forgetting. I forget what's behind. I don't want to think about what I've done. I don't want to to ponder what has been done to me. I don't want that stuff to take root in my life, but I strain towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal that God has set before me to win the prize heavenward in Christ Jesus. That is what I want my heart and my mind and my eyes and my spirit to be focused on. We have to move forward can't get stuck in the past. We rob ourselves of our destiny at the expense of our history. And here's one last thought. Is that forgiveness frees you to grow in your relationship with God. C.S. Lewis said this. He says, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. Are you ready? Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. In you. You go back to Matthew chapter 18, and what does Jesus say? He says, this this is what will happen to you if you do not forgive. Jesus says this really plain. He says, forgiveness is not an option. It's mandated. He says, I want you to love your neighbor, which is equally important to loving God. If you have unforgiveness towards someone else, God is never going to leave you alone about it. He's just not going to, ever. You can try to grow. You can read the Bible every day. You can study. You can go to church seminars. You can listen to scripture while you're driving. You can do all those things. 
But God is going to continue to bring you back to that place where you're holding unforgiveness in your life. He won't leave you alone. He's not going to let you move on until you forgive. Now, let's just be truthful and honest. Forgiveness, it's a process, right? Some of us have some deep wounds that have, and sometimes it takes a long time to work through that scar tissue and for that healing to really take root inside of us. But until we take steps towards forgiveness, you're stuck. You're stuck. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, if you forgive when others sins against, sins against you, God will forgive you. But if you do not forgive, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. That's powerful words. That if you do not forgive, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Listen, I'm young. I'm not that young, but I'm young. I'm young. I blink, and we were just moving here. It's gone just like that. I blink again, and I was a youth pastor for years, loving on teenagers. I blink again, and, and, and I'm moving to Missouri, you know, from Texas in 1999 to, to get started in my ministry for the first time. I mean, life comes at you so fast. And I don't want to waste another day harboring unforgiveness in my life. I just don't want to. It goes by too quick to allow it to take root and seeds and to destroy what God is trying to do in me and through me. And it's the same for you.